Welcome to the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Illinois Starnet envisions a future where early childhood professionals and families have the supports needed to provide all children with a high-quality, equitable education in inclusive environments. Starnet's mission is to promote evidence-based inclusive practices for young children with disabilities, professional development to support educators and families, meaningful child outcomes through innovative and engaging learning experiences. To find out more about Starnet Regions 1 and 3, please visit starnet.org home. Thank you for listening to the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. I'm Bridget Meese, an early childhood special education professional development specialist with Starnet. Today, I'm joined by Abby Luz from Urbana Early Childhood School. Today, we're going to talk about supporting the needs of multilingual learners who are also diagnosed with disabilities. Abby, you have been teaching in early childhood for several years in multilingual classrooms with both typically developing children and children with disabilities. Can you tell me a bit about your experience? Yeah, so I have, this is my 10th year teaching overall. Um, My first year I taught in the Dominican Republic in a first and second grade classroom, dual language classroom on the English side. Um, And then the next nine years, um, the majority of my experience has been in a preschool for all program, um, which has been um, at risk, three to five, um, in a couple different placements. Uh, I have... um, I have always worked with students who speak a language other than English. Um, I've worked as an ESL teacher. I've worked as a um, dual language teacher in like a 50-50 style program. And then I have worked as a teacher in a 90-10 program, which is my current placement. Um, About five of those years, I have been working as a uh, blended teacher, which means I have students with um, IEPs. and service interventions um, that they receive. Um, I have also worked very closely with service providers to design IEPs um, for individual students and getting um, the services that they need, either through the initial, um, like doing an initial evaluation or um, continuing service plans, basically. And so, um, yeah, and... Yeah. <laughs> so with doing the initial evaluations and, and getting that information, how do you, how does that work for you when you have children who are and families who are multilingual? So you may not speak the language that they speak. How do you get that information and know that it's accurate? So you really have to, you really have to go beyond the paper. Basically you have to ask deeper questions of families to really get to understand where they're coming from, um, why they're coming from where they're coming from, and and getting that information that you need that's going to be really critical to make important educational decisions. Um, And so oftentimes when I sit down with a family, we'll have a conversation about what some of their goals are um, for their children, both socially, educationally, um, in life. And you try to see where the family's coming from in where they're setting their goals. Sometimes families will say to me, I want my child to just learn English. Um, And so it's important to have those follow-up questions with those families of why, why is that important to you? What do you see as that being in the bigger picture? What's that going to serve your child? Um, And 
also helping families see not only what's immediately their decisions, how their decisions are going to impact their immediate um, choices, but also um, longer term. So if we um, want to, if your goal is that your child learns English, um, what's going to be the best path in order to get there? And do you want your child to continue your their home language or not? Do you want your child to have, continue to have conversations and relationships with family, extended family that might speak those languages? Do you want your um, child to uh, have connections with who are their important people in their life? Um, and how are we going to continue to foster those relationships to keep those um, things that are so important to them in the long term? And so how can we design a plan to get your child to that point? And so it's just kind of um, getting to understand the family as a whole um, and what their goals are to help move their child forward. And really having those open conversations so that you're hearing them and not just keeping it to your agenda. Exactly. Exactly. So oftentimes we have children who um, not only are multilingual in these classrooms, but sometimes they also have disabilities. Sometimes it seems like one need takes precedent over the other. So either we're focusing on those multilingual goals or meeting the, the needs of the child developmentally. How are you meeting both of those, both the language needs of the children as well as the IEP goals of the same children when they have both needs? So like through my experience, I have been fortunate enough and I've, um, so a little bit background. <laughs> my background is in early childhood. I have a minor in Spanish. Um, I've studied abroad and went to other countries um, to work on my Spanish. And then I came back and did my dual language certification in order to be a dual language teacher. Um, I've always known that I've wanted to work with this kind of population. And so I continue to push myself into situations where um, I can grow in that area. And so I think um, for me, it I have the ability to speak with families, especially Spanish-speaking families. Um, and so I don't have to think of them as separate things. Um, I can think of them as the whole child because I am dual um, bilingual. I speak both languages. When I worked as an ESL teacher, I had languages that I didn't speak, obviously. And there were some challenges around that. Um, but it is still so important to consider the whole child and not just their disability and not just their language considerations. Um, you've got to see them as a whole piece moving forward. And that is just an element of it. Um, I think in education, we've had kind of a history of like, where does the funding come from? And that has been crucial in organizing um systems to get those supports in place. And I think that has been so needed in making sure that kids don't fall through the cracks or, or for a better term, just aren't um, forgotten in certain aspects of their development. But I think as teachers, we need to know that educate, know that history. But when the child and family is in front of us, forget about that and see the child for all of their pieces and help move them forward in all of those pieces. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think it falls on the teacher and the team 
um, to really make sure that the whole piece is being seen when they're making those plans. So you have um, a skill set that not all teachers do by being able to speak the language of all of the children in your classroom, both English and their home language. What strategies do you use to include families while meeting the needs of multilingual learners to help them maintain their home language as well as learn English? So Spanish is the universal language in my classroom. Um, I do have a lot of families um, that speak a Guatemalan dialect or another dialect. Um, So I have um, triple-lingual families or trilingual families um, or Um, when I worked as an ESL teacher, I had languages that I never spoke. And so you have to put in more, a lot more effort into bringing the families in and valuing the information that they can share, not only linguistically, but culturally, because they've got so many different experiences. Every family, whether they're multilingual or not, every family has so many unique experiences and so many unique ways of communicating within their family. Some families have um, specific words that they call things. Um, So it's not just our multilingual families. It's every family needs to really be brought in and seen um, for what they can add into uh, the classroom and your curriculum and your um, individual plans moving forward um, in order to help make that child successful. We Um, when I worked as an ESL teacher, I would do a lot of, um, Hey, here's like five words that we're working on related to our classroom topic. Can you help us translate them and just write the word with your child, um, in the box and then send that back to us. And we added those to our writing center, for example, so the kids could see the writing. Um, I asked families, we would do like parent nights and I would pull families while they were in the school. And I would say, hey, do you have like five minutes? Would you mind reading this really short story? And I'm just gonna, um, with your permission, just do an audio recording so your child can hear you recording or hear you reading something. Um, Or, hey, can you send me an audio text message that I can play for your child in your home language? Because I can't obviously do all of the languages. And so it's really important for your child to be hearing you and a familiar um, language at school. Um, I'll never forget, we wrote, or I wrote, um, no, we wrote, I guess, our program wrote a grant and we got funding for a bunch of books in other languages. And so I had a mom in my classroom who just happened to pop in and um, was volunteering in the classroom and she had never come in the classroom before. And while she was playing with her child in the centers and and talking with him, um, I said, hey, we just got this new book. I can't read it, but it's in Arabic. Um, Would you mind just reading it out loud? And can I just have my phone audio recording you. And she's like, absolutely. And I played that for the child afterwards um, when the mom left in the next couple of days. And that child had never shown any interest in our reading center, but I put that book in our reading center and that, that child went to that reading center every day and read that, opened that book and read it just exactly like his mom did. Um, he had never spoken any Arabic in our classroom. He had never, anytime I had like shown videos in Arabic or anything like that, he completely rejected it, didn't want anything to do with it. But the second I made that connection and brought mom in and celebrated that, even just with him, um, 
it made all of the difference. And so um, his confidence grew, his engagement grew, his behaviors reduced because he um, saw a piece of him in the classroom. And so I think it's really important for every kid, no matter whether you're a multilingual teacher or a special ed teacher or whatever, any kind you're interacting with kids to find ways to bring in um, their experiences into the classroom and curriculum in little ways. I think oftentimes it's really important that um, teachers feel bogged down with the amount of stress and requirements that we have to do in the and um, the the to-do list grows and grows and grows. And so um, oftentimes it's not a big to-do. It's finding those very little two minutes here, two minutes there um, that are just really intentional that I think make all the difference when working with multilingual learners. And, and that those are fantastic strategies to not only support the child's home language in the classroom, but you're also including families in your classroom as they're um, becoming <clears throat> a part of it, which just shows the children how valued their families are and that their, their home language is as well. Yeah. And I, I've heard from other educators that sometimes it's hard to get families in. Families are busy. Families have a lot going on. And so when you don't have families who can make that time necessarily or that um, have other things going on, there are other resources to find. Even if it's not perfect, making that attempt um, to bring in uh, that language is going to be so crucial. Finding those videos online, finding um, one day it wasn't perfect, but we did, we were doing like a chalk the walk as families were coming in on their first day. And so I looked up online how to write welcome in the languages that I had. And, um, like I said, it wasn't perfect, but I saw families noticing and going, Hey, I know that like, Hey, let's read that. Um, and so the more they see you trying Oftentimes, the more they'll put that as a priority of, oh, well, she's trying. It wasn't right, but let me help out with that. Or here's a space that I can help out with that. And if they can't help um, continuing to make those little moments and those little connections um, really make a big difference for our students. Well, and it shows that you've got that idea of that you want to form that relationship right from the get-go. And that, again, it's valued, that those families are valued and welcome here. A lot of times that stage gets missed because, like you said, we get bogged down with everything we have to do. That sometimes we can miss those little relationship building pieces. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for educators for meeting the needs of, the needs of multilingual learners in early childhood classrooms? Um, continue to... Like I said, make those little moments, um, continue to um, find ways to bring their home culture and language into the classroom. Um, play around with language. Don't be afraid to make mistakes, um, but also differentiate between social language and academic language. I think sometimes teachers, and I've been guilty of this too, of um, I'm in the classroom, I need to teach you academic language and we need to work on, and I need to, me moving you forward in your home language means I need to be teaching you academic concepts in a language that I am not proficient in. And that's not necessarily fair 
if you are not if you are not a, a multilingual or you know that language or you're not certified in that i mean there are pieces where you really need that educational background in order to to not to really benefit that child basically um and so i think that there's a difference between singing a song with a couple words in it um and um you know using little words here and there of like the family shared this word or that word and i can repeat that i've been working on practicing that one word and that's the word i'm using um is so crucial and we need to continue to do that but not stress about hey i need to know all of the colors and this child needs to know all their colors in their home language or they keep telling me things but i don't know if it's correct um and so don't stress too much about the academic language and moving them forward in progressing in their home language and academics if you're not a certified teacher or in a cert- in a program that's that's geared towards that but focusing more on that social language of hey i respect you hey teach me more teach me more teach me more as much as you can um from the families and the students um i know i've seen students that sometimes when I'm not afraid to make a mistake and play around. They go, hey, that's not right. Here's how you do it. (laughs) And so it flips the switch too. It doesn't always have to be the teacher leading. It can be, hey, you guys have, you have this skill set that I don't teach me. Tell me more, teach me more. I want to learn. And having that open mindset um, flips the dynamic in the classroom to make it a much more, um, open environment for them to share and for them to want to um, bring their experiences to you. And what a great way to just let them be the expert. When children get a chance to teach you something, it really boosts that self-confidence and gives them a chance to really say, hey, this is what I can do. Mm -hmm. And then to hear you use it and their peers use it um, can really just change their view in the classroom mm-hmm. and to create an environment where it it's okay to use other languages I've had kids as young as three and four um tell me hey so-and-so was laughing at me or whatever you know they there are experiences where um bullying can can start as early as this age and so um having really intentional conversations about what it means to be a dual uh, bilingual Um, I have a lot of students who will sometimes come into a dual language classroom and they're like, well, I don't speak that. Well, I can't do that. So as part of like the beginning of the year and throughout the year, we do a lot of um, what does it mean to be a bilingual? What does it mean to be um, parts of two different cultures and two different languages and two different um, experiences? I think a lot, I think a really important thing to remember too is language frames how we, how we uh, learn. Language frames how we learn, Um, how we process new information, how we're receiving new information um, is all directly related to how we phrase things, how we communicate, how we express ourselves. And so um, we are helping students and we are guiding students in how they're going to be perceiving the world. And so it's really important to give them that specific language around being um, a multilingual learner um, 
and see that as a positive thing so that they can advocate for themselves in situations where they might not be as celebrated um, and build that persistence, I think is really a really crucial part of being an ESL teacher or working with multilingual learner students in your classroom. Well, Abby, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences and tips for those who are working with children who are multilingual and children who have both that multilingual as well as children who have disabilities and just making it, um, giving some, them some tips on making it a little bit easier in their classrooms because we know it can be overwhelming and when you don't have that firsthand experience, uh, you don't necessarily know where to start. So thank you so much for your time today and sharing your thoughts. No problem. And I'm happy to talk about this anytime, anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out by emailing starnet at wiu.edu or submit a request by clicking on the Request Services tab on our homepage.